Testing, testing. What is life? What does it mean to heal? I'm a human. Hello, hello? Anybody there? Why are we here? What does this mean? Let's figure it out together. This is the Turning of the Bones podcast. What are we doing? It's fun. Just to come play. Play in the podverse. Welcome to the Turning of the Bones podcast. How are you doing? I am your host, Colby Marie. Welcome, greetings. Sending signals out into the podverse. Beautiful, glorious universe of various interests and voices and sounds and modalities. And how fucking cool is that, That... There are so many podcasts out there that you can listen to, learn from, heal with, relate to, find entertainment and joy. And I'm not totally sure what this podcast is going to be. I uh, look forward to creating it with you, the listener. This is going to be a listener-supported podcast an enterprise of community, which I think is a, a pretty cool opportunity that we have to support one another and the things that interest us without corporate sponsorship, without having somebody looking over your shoulder telling you what you can and can't talk about. We can really talk about whatever the fuck we want on this podcast, and I think that's pretty glorious, pretty, pretty special. Um, I, uh, I used to teach public high school as a special education teacher and I always, uh, in my classroom, I kind of, I wanted to give the students a chance to talk about whatever the fuck they wanted to talk about. Granted, we had, uh, tests and reading goals and writing goals that we were supposed to be measuring, but, uh, I have to say that we really created something a little bit different inside my classroom where we, uh, we got to fly a little bit under the radar. Um, it's the glory of uh, being late bloomers. Um, not fitting into the system is sometimes you can hide within it. And uh, yeah, maybe we can find a way to create something together here. Turning of the bones. And... Uh, Give me a second. Take out my nicotine lozenge. I'm uh, about a month out trying to quit smoking again. I uh, fucking adore cigarettes. I love them. I think they're great. I think they're absolutely amazing. Uh, If I could change one thing about the nature of reality, it would be that smoking was good for you. Um, I know people say things like, well, you know, in moderation, well, I can't moderate smoking. I've, uh, 
if I light one up, I'll smoke at least half of the whole pack in a day. So it's on to the nicotine lozenges, the uh, tea tree tooth picks, and uh, trying to stay in shape, trying to stay alive, keep breathing, keep moving. Because that's really all we're trying to do here, right? Uh, what's trying to stay alive day after day, moment after moment, night after night, trying to uh, feed ourselves, have some shelter, some community. Yeah, and hopefully this, uh, who knows, fucking done setting hard goals on myself. I feel like it's just set myself up to fail. If I quit smoking, I quit smoking. If I don't, I don't. Try to keep loving myself. Try to keep being gentle with myself, taking deep breaths when I need to. So yeah, what the fuck is this podcast going to be about? I'm not really sure. I just, uh, I know that uh, I left education to go on a bit of a uh, soul journey. I became pretty disenchanted with the way public education and the uh, school-to-prison pipeline was looking for uh, for a lot of the students I worked with. Um, the emotional labor of uh, creating safe space around them so that they could have basic access to uh, the structure and support that, that a school would give them versus the chaos or confusion in their home life. Uh, doing that work honestly just wore me, wore me down. I uh, needed a break. I was, uh, I'd done a lot of healing work around my identity uh, while I was working in the school, you know. Nothing will bring up your shit like being in a fucking high school. Uh, you know, you see every teacher, every kind of student, social interactions, and I think uh, what I realized when I was working there is that I had a lot of educational trauma and systemic trauma from... Uh, systems of power and things kind of uh telling you you needed to fit into a mold or a box um you know really the whitewashing that has gone on in america the you know co-opting of normal or mainstream to really just mean white um i don't even know if it'd be middle class values at this point since there isn't really a middle class here anymore it's just the working class and the rich um but yeah while i was there i needed to take a little break get out um was working with students with intense trauma i grew up um adult child of an alcoholic um and uh yeah i just needed a little break so i tapped out went on a, a bit of a spiritual journey inward uh, was able to go to India several times, uh, keep paying the bills, support of friends and family and work, uh, here and there, but, uh, now I'm doing this podcast and, um, really the truth, truth of the fucking matter is, is that I've just been searching. I'm kind of hopelessly curious. I love talking to people. I love hearing stories. And so... I do have a, a bit of an idea of what this podcast may be about, and I think that uh, I think that 
you know, all learning. I think it was George Washington Carver or James Comer who said all learning is understanding relationships. Um, and I think that's true, like our relationships with ourselves, our relationship with others, our relationship with the world. Like I think we're constantly learning. I was having a conversation with a friend couple weeks ago and she was saying um, she made a really great point and said that humans never quit asking the question why they just quit asking it out loud and I thought that was really powerful you know I think that we are inherently curious and I think a point or where I'd like to go with this podcast is just to explore those curiosities together um, you know y'all can DM me on Patreon or on Facebook or on Instagram and we can kind of create this thing together and just see where we want it to go and I think that inside of that you know we learn from telling stories we're hardwired for it from the time we're a small child um, you know we we start to understand time in a linear fashion you know the telling of a story the start and the finish excuse me now a sip of my coffee and throw this nicotine lozenge back in um but I think that, that stories are one of the most powerful technologies and tools that we have uh, I think that stories connect us I think that um I think John Verbeke in The Meaning Crisis points to, like, it's part of the grammar of how we think. It's like the fundamental structure of how our brains work is we see our lives as a story. Um, uh, you know, the grammar of the Bible, there's, like, uh, we're working together to write our future. We're, uh, we're growing. We're redeemed. We rise. We fall. Um you know, I think that's pretty hardwired in us at this point. And I think it's fundamental to how we understand ourselves in the world. So I would like, you know, I think an idea for where this podcast could be going is uh, just sharing stories, whether they're my stories. I'm really not an expert in anything. Uh, but I'm very curious and I have a lot of interest I'm, uh, like I said, a special ed teacher. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in literature. I love reading. I love uh, thinking about books and I love film. I'm an artist, a visual artist, a performing artist, a writer, a musician. Uh, I like to meditate most days. Um, wasn't easy at first. Exercise is great. Smoking, like I said, that's, uh, it's like my two biggest loves getting, getting conflict with one another. My, my desire to move and my desire to smoke. Um, they have a nice relationship that I learn from quite often. Um, what else? 
yeah, I've been a skateboarder for 30 years, um, but I live on a highway. I live on inter no, not interstate highway 287, which runs north to south or south to north, depending on which direction you're going. Um, and it runs from Canada basically to Texas. Um, it goes through uh, Wyoming, um, Yellowstone, the Rocky Mountains kind of along the front range here and then jets kind of southeast. Um, so for the time being, there will be ambient highway sounds in the background. I also live fairly close to a fire station. This highway is used quite frequently for emergency vehicles, so the uh, the real excitement happens up and down the street outside and in my neighbor's yard. They uh, have a couple dogs that like to bark at my dogs in the backyard. And so there's lots of life here. Live next to a uh, program for addicts, um, a rehabilitation program building for addicts, wonderful community of people healing. And I think... Yeah, I think kind of what I want to do is just share healing stories with you all, um, whether they're mine. I mean, like I said, I'm not an expert in pretty much anything. Um, I have a lot of interests, I think, a lot. But uh, I think we're all healing, and I love where I live. I love uh, most days I love it. I love the energy of it. There's always movement. I know that there are people doing hard emotional and physical labor in the recovery program next door. Uh, I know my neighbor's dogs are out there getting it because they don't get walks. Um, yeah, and there's a wonderful little flower shop and a taqueria on the corner, and it's just a really wonderful place to live. So where the fuck was I? I'm just like describing Interstate 287. Um, back to it. Uh, yeah, why did I want to start doing a podcast? Um, I remember very, very clearly I was listening to a podcast by Blind Boy. Uh, Blind Boy is half of Rubber Bandits, a Irish, uh, I think, music group. I think they write together, though, too. So, like, a writing duo. They write TV and comedy. Um, but Blind Boy is one half of, of them. And I was listening to Blind Boy one day. Um, and I just felt really called to share my story, hearing Blind Boy's take on the world and story. Um, the eclectic interests that he has really really brought me to this idea to start this podcast. And I went back and re-listened to his first episode, and I loved it. It was great. Um, he didn't know where he was going. I don't know where I'm going. I think most of the time we don't know where we're going. As humans, we, uh, we like to think we do. We love a plan, like uh, Doctor Who said, love a plan. Love a plan. And also, Doctor Who said, do I look like the kind of person with a plan? Um, so let's see what happens. I think we 
we can create something really cool here together. Um, and I think the beauty of podcasts is like no one can tell you what to make. You just make this together. Um, you can make audio art like the Heart Podcast. It's really awesome, like an audio picture show. I mean, it could be anything. I've played with so many things getting ready to record this first one. Uh, but Caitlin Priest and uh, Mermaid Palace, I think it's Nicole Kelly and Phoebe Unter. They do some really cool shit. So maybe we'll do some audio storytelling. Uh, what else? Where are we? What was I saying? Where the fuck was I? Where am I going with this? Um, yeah, that's kind of a bit about me. Um, this is scary, I think. I'm uh, getting ready to do this, getting ready to launch this podcast. My website has brought up a lot of fears for me, honestly. Uh, I think that... Uh, as humans, fear motivates us to a lot, you know, keeps us working jobs, being afraid of uh, not eating, not having a place to live. But, uh, yeah, I touched into a lot of, a lot of fears, um, you know, my worth, fear of being rejected. I think really just average shit that we all go through every day, we kind of have this... Uh, part of us that's always kind of assessing you know, like where we fit into the world and how we fit into it, what's our value, what's our worth. Um, and I, it made me remember that uh, most of my life I've been a fairly afraid human. You know, I've had a lot of fears. I was uh, my mother, a wonderful teacher, created this whole awesome program for at-risk teens in Ohio. Um, just really lovely giving woman um, and human, but suffered from acute, really um, chronic anxiety. And so if you've ever had a panic attack or anxiety, you, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, it, it creates this veil between you and the world. And I, uh, I remember at a young age getting really angry at my fear. Um, I hated it. I hated that I had it. Um, you know, it took me two summers longer than everybody else to uh, jump off the diving board at the swimming pool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I went to bed until quite late in my life. You know, I, I was terrified at night. I had night terrors. And uh, at some point in my adolescence, I got really angry, you know, at my fears. And I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to face them all, um, not to like overcome them, but maybe just to know them. I think maybe when I was younger, I thought that I would overcome them, you know, this kind of uh, toxic masculine conditioning that I received that like I could bend my fears to my will. Um, this, this idea that, uh, you were weak if you had fear. So uh, I think that was definitely ruminating that kind of social conditioning, that little uh, little software virus running around my head. Um, but for whatever reason, um, 
You know, I can look back on it now and say it was, it was to truly understand and just hold and be with my fears, but that's just bullshit. I mean, honestly, I think probably I was just angry. I wanted to do the shit I saw other people doing. Um, I saw other people doing things that terrified me, and I wanted to be free um, of these kind of internal internal limitations that I, I, I realized at a young age that they were <clears throat> they didn't exist. Like the diving board wasn't inherently scary. It was my relationship with the diving board that was scary. It was my relationship with jumping into water. You know, I could swim. Um, swim just fine. I think I was, you know, going to the pool most summers as a child. Um, that magical land of freedom with a... You know, it's funny, fucking, at the pool, you know, like, <laughs> just think about how insane the pool is. You've got this huge body of water, and teenagers are, are keeping the children safe. Um, and granted, they all have training, but, like, if you ever really drowned, would you want a 16-year-old to save you? I don't know. Maybe, you know, I've seen 16-year-olds do amazing things. I personally, at this point, you know, I think, you know, super fit 30-year-old would be great. Um, anyhow, I'm getting off topic. Um... There wasn't anything inherently scary about the diving board or jumping, you know, like maybe I saw somebody belly flop and thought, oh my God, if I belly flop, I'll die. Or, um, but I, I set out to, uh, to conquer my fears. And uh, one story that has kind of kept coming up as I got ready to do this podcast was... Uh, so I was afraid of heights. Um, I think it's a pretty natural fear. You know, it's really human to, to be afraid of heights. We all have different ear canals, experiences. Like there's a physiological component to it, you know. Some people get vertigo. Some people don't, you know. Some people are, have better core strength and more balance and don't feel as wibbly-wobbly on the edge of something, you know, if met lots of rock climbers over the years and um, actually tried rock climbing quite a bit to push my push my edges with that fear of heights and some people are just naturally have better balance and I think it just makes sense that they're less afraid of heights because they feel more solid on the edge of something whereas like I was pretty out of shape as a child and had almost zero core strength and so anytime I stood on the edge of something I thought I was going to fall off which was probably a pretty good survival strategy for my unconscious mind like hey you fall down fairly regularly you're not super coordinated don't go on that ledge and then my mom reinforces it and then I watch somebody belly flop and so at some point you know, I, I slowly started engaging with that fear and, you know, I think I rock climb and I started rock climbing or would go with friends from time to time and, you know, I was, I sweat up and down the rock, you know, I was just, uh, uh, fall, like, you know, I'd just be holding on for dear life and if I did fall, like, you know, I was still like kind of clinging to the rock, even though it was obvious that the rope was the only thing holding me, <laughs> me up at that point, the person who was belaying me. But, uh, you know, no matter how many times I did it, I still kind of had this fear and I just, 
I settled on this belief that like there was no way I would ever, ever jump out of a plane. Oh, and I remember thinking that and thinking, no, I have to, like, <clears throat> sometime before I die, I have to, like, you know, I'll get over that fear last. <laughs> I remember thinking, like, how old can a physical body reasonably jump out of a plane? And so, you know, my 15, 20, 30-year-old mind was like, oh, you know, maybe 55 or 60 is probably as late in life as I could be in reasonably, like, you know, not die from shock, still have enough strength in my heart, you know, to uh, to go do that. And I just kind of lived with that belief, you know, that, that belief was there most of my life. And then uh, I had a friend, a climbing buddy, kind of a, another punk rocker, um, really interesting guy, dropped out of school. In high school, started hopping trains. Really did the punk thing hard, but just uh, one of the most fearless, fearless humans I've ever met. Um, truly, like, you know, if you were, like, drafting your apocalypse team, he would be, like, first pick, just because it seemed like the kind of person that if you put in a crisis, like, the world slowed down and they were able to see everything clearly in those moments. And uh, he had started... Uh, skydiving and got certified and was uh doing tandems and then started doing wingsuits um this was yeah i think it had to be in our 30s um 44 now by the way um anyhow so he long story short he moves to italy meets this really lovely woman from italy they get married um He's living over there, and uh, another buddy of ours is getting married, and they're climbers, and they want to have their wedding in Yosemite. And I think, great, this is this is awesome, you know. Like, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go to this wedding. I haven't been to Yosemite or California in years. I was born out there, and I always loved it. And I was just like, oh, this is great. I think at the time I'd uh, I hadn't drank or smoked in a couple years, and I was just feeling really on top of on top of my shit, you know, I was teaching, I had a career, um, was making music, I just felt good about my life, <clears throat> so I, uh, I go to California, um, for this wedding, and it's a, a blast, you know, we're hanging out, um, climbing, uh, you know, swimming by creeks. Oh, I, I meet this really, the wedding photographer was uh, a nature photographer who traveled all around the world. And she was just, whew, talk about a wedding crush. This was, this this woman undid me. Um, she was, she was outstanding. Um, oh yeah, just a little fond trip down memory lane there. Um, yeah, so she was there, and I was hanging out with my buddy and his wife from Italy, and they're just, you know, we're having a great time. I think he's probably, yeah, he's drinking all day every day. We're having fun. I'm smoking some dope probably. Um, you know, having these magical moments. And uh, 
one night we're all kind of hanging out by the campfire in Tuolumne Meadows and uh, there's this other guy there. That's right. Yeah, there's this other guy who's a pilot who flew, who flew to the wedding, you know, and like, wow, that's pretty cool. I'm like, damn, that guy's pretty awesome, I bet. And uh, he starts, you know, like it's obvious that he and I are both kind of vying for this photographer's attention and we're all sitting around the fire, and um, I do my thing. I'm like, I'm just going to stay in my lane and play guitar and uh, be me. If she likes me, she likes me. If she likes him, she likes him. There's definitely a little vibe going on there, a little competition. And I remember we're standing around the fire. The pilot, my buddy, his wife, the photographer, and me, and my friend's like, hey, I want to I wanna jump out of a plane. <laughs> the pilot's like, hey, well, I got a plane. How are we going to do this? And he's like, well, I brought my, my rig and, um, you know, what if we go scout a place to land in Yosemite? Um, we'll do like this whole getaway. We'll do. Uh... And I remember that he looks at me, he's like, Colby, you want to drive getaway? And my buddy Chris looks at me and says, you want to drive getaway? And I'm like, well, hell yeah. Like, this sounds awesome. You know, all jazzed up. Got a nice crush going on, feeling on top of the world. Everybody's celebrating, climbing, it's just beautiful. And so my buddy and I get up the next morning and we go uh, scout this uh, this field um, down this canyon. And we kind of drive and look and we're like, yeah, we're, we can do this. You could I could park right here and hide and you'll land. Um, and this was like a small field. It wasn't like, I mean, this guy was gonna have to parachute into basically a canyon jump out of a Cessna. So we like, we come up with our plan and we're like, we go back, we all talk. We're like, okay, we're going to get up at like four in the morning tomorrow, go out to the airstrip and uh, we'll try to get the door off the plane. Uh, so you can just jump out. Cause it's like, how the hell are you going to push open the door on a Cessna or whatever he was flying? Um, so we get up, the photographer is going to go up and take pictures of this. Um, my buddy, the pilot, his wife, they're going to ride in the plane. I'm going to drive getaway. So we take them there in the morning and we're like getting, getting set up. The sun's coming up over Mono Lake, which is just fucking absolutely glorious. Um, right outside of Levining, California. And uh, <laughs> somebody else pulls into the airstrip and we're like, holy shit, like we need to get going. You know, chop, chop. Uh, this is really illegal, by the way. This is like super illegal. Um, <laughs> and uh, they get in the plane, start to pull out. I get in the car and I drive and I go. Uh, I go park in the woods uh, near near the field. And this isn't like a big field. This is like in a canyon. You know, this is like maybe a football field, if that. Um, where my buddy's supposed to land his parachute, and so. I've got binoculars so I can track them. So I'm sitting in the woods and the sun's coming up and light's coming into the canyon and I can hear the stream. And uh, I see the plane and so I start tracking them. You know, I'm looking through the binoculars and I'm like, oh wow. And they're, they're, they're circling and circling. And this is a smaller plane so it can only, I think it can only go up so high, you know, with this many people in it. So they kind of like get to a level off place. And I'm like, okay, I think this is when he's gonna jump out. And I, I look through the, the binoculars and I see like, you know, like the door 
and they're playing like he's pushing and pushing and pushing, like trying to get out. And I can't even imagine what's going on in the plane, but like, you know, the, the sound, the noise, propeller, and like eventually, like he kind of like pushes out of like just like falls out of this door, this plane is just like tumbling. And I'm watching him with the binoculars. And I'm like, holy shit, like my fucking friend, I'm gonna watch my friend die. Like, and he kind of like, I'm trying to track him with the binoculars and he like kind of gets his, uh, oh, he had a wingsuit on too. He kind of gets his orientation and starts like flying. It was like amazing to watch. I start flying down, you know, like into the canyon, you know, and I'm sure like in his mind he had this idea of like, maybe you've seen those GoPros where, uh, you know, people like do the really dangerous shit that make you understand why people who wingsuit don't live that long. And uh, so he's like, you know, getting his bearings, gets over this canyon, I'm following him. And I see him pull his chute. I, I wait, I wait, you know, he gets about, you know, just, I mean, like the stillness of like, so it goes from this moment of utter chaos to like this moment of stillness when the parachute opens. It's just quiet. You can hear the, the creak, the wind in the trees. And uh, I get in the car, start it, and I pull up and he just, you know, gently lands in the field. You know, really quickly, like, he gets his parachute all up and runs, gets in the car, hops in, you know, we pull out, um, and just like, wow, oh my God, adrenaline all around, just like stone cold high as fuck on adrenaline. And uh, we pull down to the, the airfield and the photographers come back and his, his wife um, and the pilot, and we're all just like, wow, that was awesome, and da-da-da-da-da. And um, just to be totally transparent, I had huge amounts of, like, fear of missing out. Like, I didn't get to go on the plane, you know? Like, it was cool to drive getaway, but, like, anyhow, side note, I had this whole jealousy thing about, like, not being in the plane, and I was pretty sure that, like, this photographer was going to choose the pilot because I'm like, come on, fucking pilot. Um, and uh, so we have, like, this really great day, and at some point I was like, holy shit. I think I could jump out of a plane. You know, we're like hanging out and talking and talking about what had happened. And uh, my buddy's like, well, Lodi, California, right down the road is is great for uh, tons of uh, tandem jumpers. They go up all day. You know, it's like a huge skydiving hub. And I like looked at the photographer and I was like, hey, you know, like I think she lived in San Francisco or had a place and I needed to get to Sacramento. Um, I didn't really have a ride back. And so like we had talked and I was like, yep, yeah. she'd never jumped out of a plane either. I was like, listen, you know, like let's, uh, <laughs> let's jump out of a plane together. Let's go, let's go do this. Um, and there was some logistical thing, like she needed to stay an extra day. So we sorted that out and uh, the whole time I'm like, yeah, I, I feel ready. You know, I'd seen my friend do it and survive this thing. I'm like, I can jump out of a plane. And uh, so the trip goes on. Um, I think there's like another couple days left. And like uh, we kissed at some point, the photographer and I. That was really nice. And uh, she decided to stay an extra day. 
I felt really great um, about that. And I was like, you know, like this voice in my head is like, <laughs> there's no backing out now. Um, you know, like kind of that toxic masculine, like I couldn't be vulnerable. Like, um, but I also knew that, like, I think some part of me knew that, like, this is as close as I'm going to get to having the, like, universe behind me for this to happen, you know? And, like, so we hang out, and then uh, the photographer and I just drive back, and the whole ride, you know, from Yosemite down to Lodi, California, I'm just, like, whew, I mean, I'm, I'm in my head. I'm just, I have one thought, literally, you know, like, well, two. It was like, I want to kiss you again, and I, I, I have to... I have to jump out of this plane. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And I'm telling myself, like, the whole time, like, you know, you're going tandem. This other person has experience. Um, they don't want to die. Like, they probably have plans tonight. <laughs> you know, like, uh, they didn't start skydiving to just fall to their death. You know, they probably have a partner or, you know, family and want to get home after the end of the day and so we drive down to Lodi and go to this really cool air hangar airstrip out there and get signed up and uh I meet the guy that I'm going to be jumping with um and he's like everything you would want in your first uh first skydiving experience you know I look at him he's like wearing black double need car hearts got a flannel on like a beard you know in my mind of like i'm gonna be safe like this guy you know he was huge too he's i'm six seven so i was a little bit worried about my size and i saw him and he was like six four i was like okay things are gonna be fine like this guy is solid he's almost as big as me um and so you do the whole thing you get get suited up and the whole time I'm like doing it doing it doing it doing it uh, gonna do it and uh you know like i'm not gonna die not gonna die <laughs> not gonna die um, and it, you know, it turns into one of those surreal adrenaline fogs at this point. But we get into this plane, you know, this it's got an open, huge open door. There's probably 20 of us in there, you know, 10, 10 sets of two people doing tandems, a couple people like the filmer, there are people who like film you, so they're jumping by themselves. And we go up, we go up, I'm like, holy fucking shit, like. I'll fucking do this. I'm jumping half plane. Holy fucking like, you know, get cinched down, like really snug and secure. It's like being in like an adult baby Bjorn. Um, and you know, they talk you through what you need to do and like, oh shit, like fucking, we're gonna do this. I'm fucking jumping on this plane. And uh, I see that the photographer, she goes first and I'm like, okay, well, like, yeah, there's no going back now. Like, I'm strapped to this guy. She jumped. Winds just whoosh, doors open and uh, get to the edge and kind of gives me the pat, just like you know, shoves me out. I'm I'm attached to him. And we're you know, f oh what, oh yeah, like and we're just falling. And I remember my friend Chris, the guy who'd uh, jumped down the, you know, wingsuited down the canyon, was like make sure you pay attention between like five and six seconds or something like that. He's like, that's when you gain the most speed. Um, you know, you accelerate steadily, but like as you approach terminal velocity, you start going faster. He's like, pay attention. It's really cool. Um, so I did. And that was awesome. I'm just like, I'm just high. I'm like, holy shit. Ah, just flying. 
I think the photographer came over because they were going to try and back sell me at the end and like takes pictures and we like do this thing where we like link hands, which I guess is like not normal, but I'm just like getting this full experience. I'm like, holy shit, there's another person falling like right in my face, taking my picture. And it's just like so still and serene and fast all at the same time. And I'm like, you know, just, I'm just fucking stoned <laughs> on adrenaline, just completely stoned um, out of my head. You know, like nothing, nothing was wrong in the world. And and we're going and, uh, you know, taps me and pulls the, the shoe. And we're like floating down. And he's like, I think I told him a bit about my friend. So he like wanted, he, I, I think he wanted to give me a good ride. And he gave me the controls of the parachute. We're doing like corkscrews and just like, you know, spinning and like tells me how to like go left and go right. And I'm just like, I'm like, this is awesome. This is like the coolest thing ever. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like, and we start free falling a little bit again. And he taps me on the shoulders and says, yeah, sometimes we kind of hit these like little uh, dirt devils. Give me the controls, you know, it's a, and I was like, okay, cool. And like, he just kind of starts, you know, heading us back down. And I see the people who've landed on the ground and, uh, <clears throat> All of a sudden, again, and we start falling again. And I just, you know, I'm so fucking high on adrenaline. I think this is like fun. This is like part of the ride. I'm like, woo! Um, and uh, we, the parachute catches again, and we land. And I like, you know, I just, I'm oblivious. I'm like, whoa, woo! That was so cool. And like, the guy unhooks me, and he looks at me, and he's like, holy shit! He's like. He just gives me this hug, and I was like, "What? What? Like, like I?" And I looked at everybody's face, and I was like, "Something? Did I miss something? Like, did something happen that I didn't get?" And uh, he's like, "Dude, we should be dead." And I was like, "What?" He's like, "No, we should be dead. Our our, our canopy collapsed at like a thousand feet, and we started free falling again. And we like nobody survives that." Like, <laughs> like nobody survives that and I like it still didn't really register I was like you know and then I like started to piece it together I looked at like I mean like the other skydivers and tandem instructors like looked like they'd seen a ghost and I was just like oh like I almost just died and uh <laughs> you know like I was just like I was in shock, I guess, maybe. Like, I remember getting in the car and just being like, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, like, I still was like, it didn't really set in that, like, I'd almost just died. Um, and I asked, you know, the photographer, I was like, you know, what did you think about it? She was like, oh, it wasn't as cool as I thought. <laughs> she was like, ah, it's all right. I was like, well, what do you mean it was all right? I was like, that was fucking incredible. She's like, yeah, you know, like, I wish that I could have, you know, had a little more control. They kept trying to take my picture. They wouldn't let me take my camera and let me film. It's like, I'm a professional photographer and do dangerous shit all the time in, like, the Himalayas and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, want to go get an ice cream? <laughs> and so we, uh, we drove to, uh, we drove to a Dairy Queen. I got a vanilla ice cream cone dipped in chocolate. That was the best thing I'd ever had in my life. 
Um, and I think, you know, probably it, we got back in the car after, after the ice cream. Everything was just kind of dreamlike after that. And she drove me to Sacramento um, where I was going to get picked up by a friend and go do some backpacking in Desolation Wilderness. And uh, the whole time, you know, like after having a near-death experience, you know, I still just wanted to make out, <laughs> you know, like I just, I was, I was so horny and like, I mean, she was fucking awesome. Like, I, I wish that I could hang out with her again. She was rad. Um, she travels all over India and the Himalayas and China and just doing rad shit and uh, just a really cool, smart, fucking talented, adventurous, cool person. Um, but I remember, you know, getting out of the car uh, she dropped me off kind of downtown Sacramento. I remember just kind of like standing around, my hands in my pockets, like waiting for my buddy to come pick me up. Um, I was kind of in shock. And uh, yeah, so I, <laughs> I pushed myself to uh, face that fear, and my worst fear almost came true. And, you know, I don't know if I have any deep insights or reflections other than like I've done it again I've gone skydiving again my buddy came back from Italy and was doing tandem jumps I've jumped with him a couple times and it's just you know as I found like with most of my fears like it's not as bad as you think it's going to be even if you get right next to what you would have called your worst fear. Um, you know, and now looking back on that, um, it seems seems really far away and like not that big a deal. Um, and I have new fears. <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, I'm in therapy. Uh, and my new fears are, are different. I'm afraid of drawing boundaries with people. Um, I'm afraid of telling people when I don't want to do things. I'm afraid of uh, making decisions in group settings or saying how I feel or what I want to do in group settings. And you know, the I think the really interesting part of being a human is that like that fear, you know, saying no feels just as scary as jumping out of the plane did. Um, telling my partner what I want for dinner is sometimes just as scary. And so, uh, where the fuck was I going with all that? <laughs> I have no idea at this point. Um, well, that's that. That's, uh, the first podcast. Um, a little story about fear. Little story about uh, crushes. Little story about uh, anxiety. Yeah, hope you enjoyed that. Look forward to uh, what this might become in the future. 
you uh, like what you heard, you can go to uh, Turning of the Bones on Facebook, Turning of the Bones on Instagram, or on Patreon. I think it's Patreon backslash Turning of the Bones. Um, yeah, and if you, you liked what you heard, this is a listener supported, so we're going to create this together so no one's telling us what to do. Kind of let it evolve naturally, um, you know. If you liked it, you can uh, become a patron, you know, give me the price of a cup of coffee, glass of wine. Um, yeah, because I'm going to try to do this for a living. Try and share these stories, not just mine, but uh, hope to have some of my friends on. Have some uh, mental health experts, maybe. Some uh, spiritual healers. Some... Uh, BIPOC voices, um, people that have influenced me. I wouldn't be who I am without the work of uh, brown, indigenous, and people of color. Um, so I look forward to seeing where this goes with you. All right. Blessings to you. Be well. Take care of one another. Take care of yourselves. End of the bones. Bye now.